Well, hello, Brayden. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. Uh, and today I am just doing a quick little intro because we have a special episode. We've done one of these in the past. You may remember my friend Claire. Um, I had her on the podcast last December. I should have pulled this up before I hit record, but let me find the episode number because I actually think it would be really fun if, uh, and excuse my nasalness, I have been, I've been on and off sick friends for probably about six weeks now, but I am yet again congested. So speaking, you know, clearly and normally is a little bit of a struggle. Okay. So what was I saying? Oh yeah. Claire. So I had Claire on the podcast um, last December. And in that episode, we talked about her, like we essentially did her 2022, no, that's this year, 2021 year in review. Uh, And that kind of kickstarted the proper reports that I started doing with guests. So if you've been enjoying the proper reports, that episode kind of started it all. And, um... It was really fun. So it was episode 204, titled Discussing a Multi-Six-Figure P&L with Claire Pelletro. So go check that out if you want. It was a a longer, longer interview like this one will be. It was an hour and 12 minutes, but it was pretty fun. Um, And what's really kind of fun about that is on that episode, Claire talked about what was not really working for her and how she was going to change that in her business. And this year she had, um, I think she had, uh, record revenue and profit. She had two six-figure launches this year uh, in her business. And so it's really fun to listen to the last interview to talk about how she's planning and preparing for that to happen. And then to listen to today's interview to hear how that actually does happen. So without any further ado, uh, we are now going to go into our episode with Claire. Oh, one more thing I should say before we start. We recorded this episode on Claire's podcast. So Claire runs a podcast called The Get Paid Podcast. She's the host. Um, and she started inviting me on this year to interview her on her podcast. So to like guest host her podcast for her in order to interview her. Because one thing that her and I both kind of realize is that doing solo episodes, is, it's a lot harder. You have to outline a lot more. Um, and especially when you're doing like a year in review, proper report kind of situation, you just kind of feel like you're talking to yourself. Whereas when you do an interview, it's a lot easier to bounce off of people. So she invited me on to interview her. Uh, Luckily, I sound a lot less funny in this interview. So uh, without any further ado, please enjoy. Brayden Drake, welcome back to the Get Paid Podcast. Excited to be here. Um, I hope to become uh, like the most recurring guest now. So we're working our way towards it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, let's see, Jessica Kufferman has been on the show three times. This Uh, makes for your third, maybe, or fourth. No, I was, I thought maybe two, have I been? Yeah. No, third, third time, third time, I think. But then we put your episode on here. So that counts as four. Yes. You you are officially, but then again, Val Geisler, I feel like had a 10 episode or eight episode season with me season two. So you are not that far along yet. Okay, well, we'll get there. She's the reigning queen. If your audience doesn't still, like, if your audience is still enjoying me after this episode, we'll- Yo, I've gotten incredible feedback. They're just like, (laughs) we love your your chemistry. Good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, So why don't you, for people who are like, who the fuck are these two people talking? Why don't you tell the good listeners first 
uh, what your pronouns are and how you get paid. And then maybe a little bit of background about us, our relationships. Yeah. So, um, hi, my name's Brayden. Um, I personally enjoy all pronouns, but generally am known by going by he, him pronouns. Uh, and I get paid primarily through online membership, low ticket offers, of uh, via legal tax and small business finance education. So and there's a that. book called unfuck your biz. I'm looking at I it right now. Sure do right up there. Um, about 1% of my annual revenue comes from that book. So very sexy, mm-hmm. very juicy with my $9 profit margin. Um, <laughs> how we met. Well, I first, I think I, I think I first heard you on Abby and Emily's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed your interviews. So then I went over to your podcast, which is probably how a lot of your current listeners, you know, find you either your podcast is recommended to them, or maybe they find you somewhere else. But I just started listening and I was like, I like this lady. I think we're going to be friends. And then I just kept DMing you until we became friends. Um, I don't recommend that tactic to everyone because if everyone did that, that would probably get annoying. But uh, mm, we, uh, I'm, I'm real weird in the DMs. <laughs> I'm really weird. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you know what? <clears throat> Here, I'll tell you this. This is what makes me friends with somebody like a business person who's in my DMs is when we end up talking about things like Argentina, uh, TV shows Uh or uh, TV shows. (laughs) I mean, like right now the world cup. So it just, there's always some kind of connection on something other than business because I am immediately like skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a negative thought, but oh, well. Yeah. And this is why I often, well, I just like voice memos to begin with, but I'll often send women voice memos so they can very clearly and distinctly tell that I am a gay man and not a random (laughs) straight man trying to hit on them in DMs. Although if you click to my profile, like you can figure that out pretty quickly, but, um, yeah, we, we kind of chatted through there. I took your, took your absolute Facebook ads course. Highly recommend a lot of people already bought that last month. We're going to talk about that. That'll be fun. Uh, and then I got you on my podcast last December. So about a year ago. And you know what the wild thing is, Claire? I don't think we'd had much of an in-depth one-on-one conversation before that. And it feels like we've been connected for a lot longer than a year, but that's about how long it has been, I think. Wait, but so did we record before I went to San Diego? Because we had a delightful meal. Yes, we did. We did. I forgot about that. That That was was probably- extensive (laughs) one-on-one. Yes. Yeah. Like a two hour lunch. That probably was what, like late summer, early fall. Uh, no, it was October. Oh, October. All right. Great. That was great. I love that place. I should, I'm actually, um, going back over there today to have some lunch with, uh, another business friend who's in from out of town. So. Oh, fun. Yeah. The perks of living in a city where people vacation. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, but what I would like to say is that, I mean, I really have gotten a lot of great feedback from the episodes that you've come in and you've been a a co-host, you've asked me questions or, you know, when I got to interview you and I want to encourage people who are like Brayden and like to make friends online to slide right into his DMS because he is so friendly. Um, I am sort of awkward. And unless we're talking about TV shows or the world cup. So, but like Brayden is not, and he's just delightful to know. I was telling somebody about you. I wish I could remember. I feel like it was just like 30 minutes ago. And I was like, oh yeah, just go right in, go right into the DMS. He will yeah, want say, to hear from you. Who was Yeah. It? Say hello. 
too. Yeah, a lot of people start to get used to when I'm marathon training as well. People get used to mm. getting uh, voice memos from me while I'm running, which he is- literally what you sent me a video of you talking while running. You like wanted me to see that you were running. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Hey, well, I've done um, I've done I, I do like TikToks while I'm running, too. I haven't done like a lot, but that's what I, I did. The Instagram like full, like 10 minute Instagram lives while running when I started my Instagram account like wow. five years ago. It's been a minute. Yeah. Okay. So look forward to that, people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Wonderful. So I asked Brayden to come back on the show to help me actually um, execute the recording of my year in review podcast. Um, Just me and solo episodes. They are hard to get done a lot of the time for me, but it's just so much fun to talk to you because one, you're a podcaster. So you ask all the right questions and two, I adore you. So you check, know. check, feelings check, mutual. Check. Thanks. Um, all right. So you want to kick it off? You want to take the reins? Sure. Sure. Okay. So first of all, I think we should probably address with your people. I don't know when this is releasing, but it's currently December 8th. So mm-hmm. year's not totally over. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, are you going to have a lot happening this month that would like require a significant update to your year in review? Or are you kind of just like chilling through the holiday now? No, I'm chilling. I 100% planned to be totally off for the world cup. Nice. Um, you know, my husband's from Argentina. I got world cup fever down there and I was telling a friend, no, I was telling my therapist, let's be honest, that I feel like I've actually been chasing the high of my first world cup which was also (laughs) like my husband and I, we were engaged, no kids. Um, Just like I'd actually just been fired. So I had literally nothing to do all the time, but then Uh Argentina made it to the final. So like every game was just this dopamine hit. Like every time they didn't lose until they lost against Germany, which haha, Germany got kicked out early this time. (laughs) Nobody cares about this, but whatever. Um, And no World Cup since then has ever been the same. It's a little bit like maybe drugs where you're uh-huh. always chasing that first time. Um, so it's all right, though. Um, taking off taking off lots of time to watch those matches and then just preparing for the new cohort. That's the other thing I am doing is we're working on new stuff for the cohort of the mastermind that starts January 9th. But no, like any money that will be made will just be from payment plans because we're not promoting anything. Isn't there a isn't there a World Cup happening in Mexico in the next decade? I feel like I saw that. Okay, before. so the next World Cup, which is four years from uh-huh. now, um, although it will be in the summer, is happening in Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Oh, interesting. Yes, and guess what? Philadelphia was one of the cities chosen. So in four years, you all can, or it's about three and a half years, you can anticipate a shit ton of content. (laughs) Me and my then, oh my gosh, my kid will be 10 years old. Holy cow. Um, You know, at, at games singing Argentina songs. That'll be, that'll be fun. I know there's an Olympics happening in LA. I think, I don't think it's obviously Paris is next. I want to say they have it in maybe eight years. I could be making that up, okay. but it, anyway, always been a goal of mine to go, which, so that'll be, that'll be fun and exciting. Well, LA was also one of the cities chosen for the world, for some world cup matches. So you will, maybe I'll, maybe I'll see you there. Uh, and maybe <laughs> <laughs> that for me, that would be one of those, like if someone has an extra ticket and would like someone <sighs> to accompany them, I would be happy to that go. That doesn't happen. 
Uh, yeah, I'm sure for the World Cup probably doesn't happen. Um, okay, Claire. So you know, I like to do I like to do a very chronological inter- interview. That's just kind of where my brain makes sense. So let's flash like back to when. Do you normally do annual planning, and if so, when does that take place? No, I I have not typically done annual planning. Okay, so do you not do the whole like what's my one word for the year kind of thing? Oh shit, I even came up with a word but I forgot it. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> normally do that. I have had some really um some thoughts that have not served me at all around uh-huh. me and my ability to plan and yeah my ability to execute on a plan. So I have always been like, no, fuck planning. I don't want to do it. Basically because I was afraid that I would fail. And um, and then also, especially last year, it was like such a, it was such a tough time in my industry of Facebook ads that like, I felt like, do I really want to keep doing this? Do I want to keep making this my business? And mm-hmm. so- at the end of, in December of last year, I decided like, all right, throw up my hands a little. I'm going to create something kind of new, kind of, uh, and charge a whole lot of money for it. And that was get paid marketing. Although we launched it under the name, get the get paid mastermind. Um, but I got, you know, that was December. We launched, we got seven people who paid me nine K each. And Mm. that was the beginning. And I was like, well, I'm going to spend 20, 22. Like I was, I really wanted to have one offer that I sold really well for like three years before I was um, like, my husband was like, so tired of me being like, okay, I'm trying this new thing. I'm trying this new thing. And he was like, when are you just going to stick with something? And I was like, yes, you are right. And Rachel (laughs) Rogers, you are right about like getting known for something. Mm -hmm. This is how I feel now. I know that, you know, we differ on some of these things, but, um, that's, that's where I was in my head. So I was just like, okay, 2022 is going to be about selling get paid marketing. Yeah. Wait, the first, what'd you say? You had, you had seven, did you, yeah, you had seven, seven students at nine K they, they joined in December or in January. They joined in December. We started in January, probably like January 2nd. And just an FYI, just because you start something in January doesn't mean you have to start the day after new year's. So oh. I gave myself a, <laughs> an extra week this time for like my, my cohort to start January 9th so that my team and I don't have to have everything done on like Christmas day, you know? So, okay. So headed into the new year was like, did you have goals for that program or more? You just had, I would call it like an intention where you're like setting an intention that like, we're just going to do our best with the signature offer kind of thing. Well, I mean, I had it on evergreen in the beginning. Like I knew in January, I wasn't going to try to sell anything because I didn't have any content for this thing. I didn't, it was just like, coaching and oh also we're going to make a marketing a custom marketing plan for you so uh, january i felt like all right let's just focus on the clients you start selling you start like get you know working this evergreen thing in in february and also in january like if you recall so i all i usually do my uh, year in review episodes in january or february of the next year because i just uh-huh. i'm not on top of it and, or actually usually because I end up launching something in December and I promised myself I would not do that any, like not never again or not this year. So now I have the space to do the episode now, but 
I just, while recording that episode, which, you know, is called like year in review 2021, what happened with the lead lab? That was my offer in 2021. I, I could not figure out like why I was, why I didn't want to sell to people. Mm-hmm. And I had all this mindset shit around sales and around results and things like that. So when I discovered Stacey Bayman, who I talked all about in the last podcast episode um, and all about my experience there, but I started um, looking at selling in, in a different way, starting in February when I like joined her mastermind and started going through her content. Nice. But it still was very hard. And we didn't make another sale of the mastermind. Actually, I think we made a sale one in February and then she was, we were not a great fit for each other. And so we parted ways. And so that was a refund. That was, you know, a nine, uh, no, it was not a full refund, but um, had I not been so desperate to like make a sale and feel good about myself, I probably would have seen that the, this maybe was not a great fit. I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. But then I started like changing things up in March. And that's when I finally got some people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also in March made the decision to stop, to, to stop doing it on Evergreen because I was neither fully focused on delivery mm-hmm. nor fully focused on selling. So Gotcha. Okay. So I have so many questions. Okay. Go. So let's start with the first one that popped into my mind. You mentioned that you didn't have content for get paid marketing. Did you mean like you didn't have marketing content, like a way to market it, or you didn't have like curriculum content? I didn't have curriculum content. So all I had was, I mean, all <laughs> I had my courses. I had the content that I created for the lead lab, which was like primarily based on, um, creating a tripwire funnel. I had workshop magic. I had all those things, but I uh-huh. didn't have like the the big thing that I wanted to dive into with people was conversion optimization. Like, you know, how you have to write or talk to your leads who are coming from cold traffic, because this seemed to be, this seemed to be the biggest issue. Like my clients would get leads from ads, but then mm-hmm. not convert them. Whereas that wasn't always my experience and definitely not the experience of the people whose ads I ran, you know, yeah. like Jasmine Starr is somebody who I always point to her conversion rate for cold was like always the same as for warm, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. So, um, I didn't have any curriculum around conversion optimization. So we just kind of had to do it like step-by-step step with each person individually. Gotcha. Which, I mean, I think it, that also makes sense. It also makes a lot of sense for your program because it's, most of the people coming in, I'm assuming they're not brand new business owners. They already have stuff that's at least semi-working. So it's like, instead of giving you pre-recorded content, like let's actually look at what you're doing and figure out a strategy and tweak and pivot. And yes, yes, totally. And, you know, since everyone, everyone got this plan, it was very much like I would go through their mini course that they were trying to use to upsell Mm -hmm. into the big thing, which I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't able to do at, at like basically at the price point because of the number of people in the lead lab, I wasn't able to, we weren't able to give them the in-depth feedback that would really move the needle. And so Mm -hmm. that was also a change we made 
from the lead lab to get paid marketing is that we opened up what people could submit for critique to much larger, much, much more, much like more important assets, like their sales pages, like their sales emails compared to in the lead lab. It was like, okay, well, we will look at your opt-in page. We will look at your tripwire page and that's it. Was it the lead lab? Was that a lower price point? Was that 6k? Uh, it, I played around with different prices, but the most that it got to was 6k, 6,400 random to, uh, for nine months. Gotcha. Um, the, those seven people that you brought in, in December, did they all do pay in full in December or were they on payment plans? Uh, no, I believe there was one payment plan. Okay. So then we can kind of extrapolate and guess from there that if you weren't bringing more people in until March, January, and February were very slow months. Oh my gosh. They were so bad. You want to look at it? Sure. Sure. I would really like to look at that. Um, and not to just like point out that you weren't selling, but I think that'll be helpful information for people once we no, get but to I like your But I was trying end. to sell in February, friend. Yeah. I but wasn't once we get selling to, in January. Once we get to your annual, your annual totals for this year, we kind of have an understanding that the vast majority of that money is coming the final 10 months of the year, really nine months of the year. Oh, it, six months, friend. So <laughs> between January, first uh, of January and... Um, first of, excuse me, February 28th, I made, uh, $25,000. Okay. For the first two months, which might sound like a lot, but my, between what I was paying myself and what I was paying my team, we were in the red. Wait, did I do that math? Right. Hold on. 25,000. Do you want to go ahead and share what your year to date revenue is? Uh, yes. What, what did we say? 47, 407, 437,000. Okay. So so quick math, January and February were about 5% of your annual revenue. So yeah, low, pretty low percentage wise. Yeah. And in February, Uh, sorry, I was wrong in February. Actually, I did sell a couple of evergreen spots, like the very end of February. So that's when it started to pick up end of February. Gotcha. So you said in March that you, you turned off the evergreen and you already kind of gave like a few reasons for that, but I think it'd be fun to, to dig a little bit deeper in that mm-hmm. into that because before like you were like, you had a, a lot of eggs in the, in the like evergreen basket, so to speak. I don't know if that phrase made any sense, but was that a big like departure slash change for you? Well, so hold on. I, I should clarify in uh, my evergreen Absolute FB ads remained on evergreen that never, I never changed that. In fact, Uh I think I brought it back in late 2021 and it was like in an evergreen webinar funnel. Um, and, and we didn't get a lot of sales because we didn't have a lot of traffic, but it was a very high conversion. It was like 7% conversion rate, but I wasn't running ads to it. When I say that I went off of evergreen, I actually mean that I stopped giving people the opportunity to join at any time. Yeah. I was still like, you know, what that meant. There was no ad funnel in 2022. Yeah. Actually the only ads that I ran in 2022 were my podcast ads and uh, retargeting ads for enrollment periods, but I didn't have anything go into a, a webinar that then sold people into anything. I guess my, my real question there is, 
My memory is that you had a resistance to live launching. Oh, yes. No, this year. Yeah. you're absolutely right. No, thank you for clarifying the yes. I did. When in 2021, I thought, oh, I can do this all on Evergreen. I don't ever have to live launch again. I can just figure out the ad funnel, blah, blah, blah. But then I couldn't do that because when it came to actually selling the people who applied, I never sold them very well. Uh -huh. And yeah, I had a terrible aversion to live launching so bad. And you helped me with my the launch in May. Uh -huh. And it was great. Hard work, but great. And then my launch in October was neither hard work it was just great. <laughs> good, 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 good. And I know on our last interview we did, we talked a lot about your May launch specifically. Hey, you did mm -hmm. like two launches in one because you launched mm -hmm. Workshop Magic and then you launched, then you launched the actual program. So I'm like, yes. link that. I like how I'm running your podcast now. Yeah. Link that in the show notes. People go listen. Yes, um, definitely. If you haven't already heard that episode, it's a really good one about the the launch recap. I think the title is launch recap. I didn't even care anymore. <laughs> I was exhausted at the end. Yeah. From, from the live launching. So you decided a live launch because, so I heard you mention, you, you said it was because you wanted to be able to serve your students better. It's hard to do that and market at the same time. Um, but also with the hopes that it would improve, like improve conversions. Does that all sound like an adequate summary? Yes. I mean, really the biggest objection that I got with both the lead lab and with get paid marketing is I love it. I want to do it, but not right now. And uh -huh. I did not have the sales skills to overcome that. Now, if we were, if we were talking today, if I was on a console today with an evergreen program, that would probably be different. Yeah. But I also, also, it's just, it is just true. Like when you have to decide and you know, also I was not talking at all in, in the first quarter of the year about how like, this is a, this is a group with a cap. This is this, like, I was just kind of still in the whole, maybe it can have a hundred or 200 people in it, like eventually. And so I'm not going to say anything about the number, but when I realized like, wait, I need to just get like, I really, if I want to grow this thing, I just need to focus on getting everyone the best possible results. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to like limit my, the number of people so that I can continue to streamline and improve this program. Right. So that's why I said, okay, I'm going to cap it in the, like when I finally do open the enrollment, there's only going to be 12 spots, 12 total. So that also made it easier for me to sell. It felt easier for me to mm -hmm. sell. Instead of me potentially going after 40 or 50, the idea of just going after 12 was something that I could like get in full belief. Well, I was close to full belief, if I'm really honest, <laughs> not like in this last launch, I was close to full belief, but. Did you also find that starting the program with like a solid cohort of people made it easier to deliver? Yes. Yes. Because what we were seeing is the people who were coming in like, even though they had like a great one-on-one -on -one messaging call, it was like, they were coming in and nobody knew them. Nobody knew their business and they didn't know what other people were talking about in the questions. So it was just kind of like really nice when we started a fresh cohort. Um, and there was even some overlap of like the evergreen people on the fresh cohort because of how the timing that I did. Um, but it's just like, they, they bonded more. I saw that. And yeah. I'm not saying that people cannot 
bond. Like you can't make a program on evergreen like this, not at all, but I'm saying it worked for me this way. I do think it's a, looks like it's a constant dilemma that I've been seeing a lot of in the past, like two to three years, the, and I'll get like, I'll give a concrete example from like a membership perspective, just because I think this is really interesting. Stu McLaren, a lot of people know him. He has a really popular course, $2,000 course on how to create and launch memberships. And he's all in on the live launch model because he espouses the benefits of having like cohort based and you have more urgency. And then the membership geeks, they run a membership on how to launch memberships. They're the opposite. Like they really mm. espouse evergreen because people can join whenever they want. And there's no like arbitrary restriction. Um, and I think like you mentioned, ultimately, like there's no correct answer, but um, I, I do think for the higher ticket stuff, there is a lot a a lot of benefit to having the cohort because you're having a lot more like high touch calls where people are getting to know each other better rather than it being, you know, like this, like low ticket monthly thing where you're really just paying for the content rather than the relationships, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. I think that the decision should be made based on not like what you think people want, but uh-huh. what will help you deliver it best. Yeah. Like what, what will be the best experience? Is it like you just doing kind of like, um, bit by bit improvements in an evergreen system? Great. Can you, it, will it be like too much for you to handle an onslaught of brand new people? And like, if you don't have the team capacity, I have that capacity now. But so like, yeah, it allow, because we have that capacity to do 20 onboarding calls, we spread them out, you know, long before even the program starts now for this next cohort. That means we can jump in, have the marketing plans like already done. Great. But I didn't have that capacity earlier and I couldn't. So again, I couldn't have like the number of spots. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly, I'm it's interesting that you brought up which one's easier to deliver. This is actually why we are moving. I'm moving my membership to a cohort model starting next week, actually. So oh, really? another topic for uh, another podcast, potentially. Great. But yeah. I found it was just, it was uh, very hard to deliver like in the, in the evergreen. Say in more, evergreen. say more. People will want to know. Um, sure. So the other thing is it's also, it's a membership, not a course, right? So there's no definitive like in line, but we have, Due to the like price point of our membership, we have a hundred dollar tier. We have a thirty dollar tier. The hundred dollar tier has support, but in total, we have like one hundred and seventy people in the program. So it was getting too difficult for us to measure like where everyone was in the content, mm-hmm. and to like poke and prod them and encourage them to like get through the content when they need to be. Um. So now bringing everyone in at the same time, um, we are doing like automated reminders that go out, obviously via email. Um, but my client success coordinator is actually putting in like a start date for every person. Every time they finish a module assessment, she like updates that in a sauna, like on a personal card that they have. And then she'll be able to basically uh, get Asana reminders to reach out to people if they're not like getting through the content and the pace that we think they should get through. Um, and that kind of stuff, I think is just a lot harder to do when you have people trickling in at all points of times. And we were we were also doing like people would join like after a bundle or a summit with like a free trial. And then, you know, they would churn out without paying and like that gets very complicated. Mm. So like, yeah. let's strip this back and just like launch it like the way I was used to launching courses. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. So uh, you mentioned that you brought in new people in March. Um, did you do March? Was, was that like a soft launch? If I remember correctly or. Uh, so no, I was actually looking here at the, the orders. It, we did get a couple, a couple people who I had like, who I already knew for in different ways they happened to reach out to me because I was just doing like the on the regular, like kind of talking about it on uh-huh. or some, one of them I think was just like, okay, what is Claire? What is Claire's offer now? Because I need to learn ads. So uh-huh. that, you know, then I did do a launch, like a, a very soft, like, Hey, we have two spots right now, two spots. Now, then in May, we're going to do like a formal launch. So it wasn't even like, I don't think that a two month wait is that long, but somehow I, you know, worked on the urgency of getting people to start now versus starting in March. And we filled those two spots. And that was just like, that was pretty much via email, I think. And this is when I started writing in a different way and also started uh, the podcast, like my podcast episodes, speaking about the program in a different way because of what mm-hmm. I'm learning in Stacey Bayman's mastermind. So that was March. And then we didn't sell anything in April and we just prepared the launch. Um, so that was the work that was selling workshop magic. Oh, I guess workshop magic actually did the doors opened in, in April, but I don't really think, I think of that as all happening in March, even though it's not true. Um, and so we sold people into workshop magic, which is $300, course, I delivered the course materials live. And then I, you know, pitched to the people who had taken workshop magic to continue working with us in GPM. But I also, you know, sold to my entire list. And my, my goal was 10. My cap was 12. And I got 11. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So do we want to kind of skip over that launch and tell people to listen to the last totally. podcast? Totally. Okay. So go listen to the last podcast for details on the May launch. Um, but quick summary so far, you had launch in December, slow months, January and February, a couple of new students in March. You're planning and preparing in April, big launch in May. And then we know that you just, when was your, did you do your last big launch? Was it, did it wrap up in October or November? Uh, it, it technically wrapped in November, but all the spots were spoken for in October. But let, can I just share my revenue through the June, just through that May launch, like the year-to-date oh, yeah, yeah. revenue at that point? Yeah. Yeah, um, I was going to go back to you had oh. your October launch, and then let's talk about all the stuff that was happening in between there. Okay. So sorry, you want to go to the October launch first before numbers? No, 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 no. Oh. So just pointing out that you had big revenue months were May and October. So uh-huh. now let's talk yes. about like what, what trickled in, in between those months. Oh, good, good. And November was also fairly big as well, I should say. Uh, Thanks. Um, but uh, okay, here, I'm just sharing my screen for you so you can see the number. But um, so <clears throat> the launch, the like mastermind enrollment that happened in May, it, the the last day to join was um, June, June 2nd. So through June 2nd of this year, I was at 158,500. So not uh-huh. even, not, not even 200 K. Oh, okay. So I see you're looking at, this is like basically through the end of your May launch. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. So 158 K the first, well, I guess that's not a full six months out of the year. That's your first five months essentially. Oh shit. You're right. You're right. 
because I always <laughs> forget that June is still Q2. Okay, so then um, let's just through the end of June. Uh, it's 10K more because I was yeah, collecting payment plans. Yeah. Okay. 168. Okay. Are all these, I'm looking at the bar graphs. Is that revenue by day? Each of yes. those lines is revenue by day. Yes. So you had a real big kind of gap in there. It looks like through end of June to until the end of July. Well, um, that's kind of, yeah, basically almost all of my, is the people who enrolled in that launch in GPM they paid towards the very end of May, the very end of May, first couple of days in June. So what you're seeing, that gap that you're seeing is just, that's in between payment plans. Uh-huh, gotcha. The payment plans kicking up again. Like I always have, you know, a week or two of like, oh, all the payment plans come in because it's 30 days after my launch. Nice. But no, uh, I, I have a question. I have a question for you, Claire. Um, just practically speaking, when you're looking at, like when you're looking at the cash flow in your business, do you know in the back of your mind, like, my payment plans renew on like the 20th of the month. So usually like from the zero to the 10th, the, z the zero, Jesus, um, from the first to the 10th, I'm like not bringing any, in any new cash or is that not something you really think about? Um, if I, yes, I do know. I do know that, oh yes, it's like the last, you know, uh, seven days of the month, their money's coming in. But because of the slush fund, I don't worry that much about that. Yeah. That's the actually what I was going to, what I was going to mention. Once you have a business savings, it's not as big of a deal, but when you're looking at your bank balance, because you know that you like have to pay your contractors or whomever, and you're like, I don't have no money coming in. No, no. But that's the thing. My bank balance, a lot of my slush fund is in the checking. So it's just never very low, you know? Oh, I know. I know. I'm, I'm more uh, pointing out for other people, right? For oh, other people sorry. who don't have that. <laughs> Um, then it's important to know like, oh yeah, I do pay my contractors on the 20th, but I have to remember that all my payment plans come in on the 15th. So knowing that information is, uh, is really good to have if you don't have much business savings yet. Okay. So you had, um, big launch in May, end of May into June. And then it looks like July, we don't see a lot happening until the payment plans renew. Do we want to fast forward? Um, do you have the same thing, like same kind of cycle happening in August, September? Yeah, that's a really good question because I didn't really start selling again until October. So why don't we just look at through into September? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So look, uh, July and August almost look like a, like mirror image of one another. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. We're just looking at to, to explain, we're just looking at like the bar charts. Yeah. In Sam cart. Um, do you ever put screenshots of this kind of stuff in your show notes? Okay. I was just curious. My belief um, is that nobody looks at show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably true. If we, if I ever have really juicy stuff, I like to show, then I'll put it in a, like in a, in a blog. Um, okay. So, so wait, but have... this number is interesting. Cause we did this for, um, we did this for January and February right now. What I'm showing on the screen is August 1st through September 30th. It's uh -huh. $21,000. Yeah. So again, so like, like that was less than your less than five percent, you know. Yeah. So yeah, like the the down months, the because I had so much pay in full. To be honest, this year, um, I had a lot of months where we it looks like we're in the red. If you go into my 
accounting, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. But now, like, especially once you have this business savings in the slush fund, like, is that a, is that a non-issue for you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I also don't care when like in January, I, I made like $10,000 total or yeah. less. And I, in, I paid, oh no, I didn't pay in full that one, but then I pay oh, like this entire time that I'm having a really slow first year, <laughs> half of the year, I'm also paying $5,000 a month from or $4,000 a month for my coaching. So it's like, it's so on, it just looks so unprofitable for so long in this year. Were you ever, um, did your business ever operate primarily on a live launch model before you had business savings built up? Um, the last time I remember having like a true slush fund was sometime in 2018. Yeah. It was probably like end of 20, 2018. And I, at that point I was on evergreen and launching. Gotcha. gotcha. But it wasn't that much. It was it probably wasn't that much of a slush fund, maybe $20,000. I mean, that's a good, that's a good slush fund, but it's not like what it could be, what it is now, for example. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I just know a lot of folks and, you know, I have to lecture people. A lot of folks do not do good financial planning when they are on a live launch model, but that, mm. you know, I, I, well, I was going to say that tends to be newer business owners, but that's definitely not the case. I know people who make a lot of money who still way overspend after launches and without, without remembering that they're not launching every single month. So you can't spend all your money. You know what? I'm actually, oh, come on, Bench. You just, uh, uh, I have to log back in, but, uh, I actually, yeah, I'm thinking about 2017 where everything was launch. And it was, uh, like my last quarter was a mess with bad launches and uh -huh. I'm just like trying to get into bench, but they're not, it's not working right now. I, I want to see how much, how much I spent that year. Oh, okay. Um, to, to go back to what was it? Just to see if I was like, cause as you're talking, I'm literally thinking, yep, that was me in 2014, 2015, 2016. Uh -huh. Well, no, not 2016, because I was I had such a long maternity leave, but 2017, I remember I made like, I don't know, $170,000 in the business, but I, who, like, I probably spent close to that. So yeah. Anyway, I call that Claire. I have a name for that. I call it the, what the fuck happened to my money hamster wheel, uh, <laughs> where you allow your spend, you allow your business spending to basically, uh, stay at the same level as your, your business revenue. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, like even just after, well, I guess we should get into the October launch, but make sure you ask me about my spending habits, habits after the October launch. <laughs> you okay. meaning the money you've been spending just in this past month? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that. So, okay. So you just looked at October or oh, uh, August through September. So then when did car open on October launch? Hmm. Uh, I did do a full episode. You and I did an episode, didn't we? On my last launch? No. No, we didn't? Who? Okay, I must have done that. <laughs> I, all right, sorry. I did that myself. So I do give like all the details, but um, basically I don't remember. Uh, it was a, it was an application. Oh, applications open, opened on October 20th. Okay, App so end of month. Applications opened. Um, cart closed on November 3rd, but- all the spots were 
paid for by Halloween, except for one. Mm-hmm. And they it, and then they they paid by the deadline. So Wasn't I felt early? like, huh? huh? I remember, I like distinctly remember listening to one of your launch episodes while I was driving back from Las Vegas from Wedding MBA in my rental car. It was fun. And I think I remember at that point you had a couple, I think maybe you had a couple spots left. I don't remember, but what did you, what did you cap oh, your right. spots at? We actually, we actually killed one of the episodes that we had planned oh. or during the launch because we just, we didn't need more. We couldn't take more applications. Well, that's a good problem Eventually. to have. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good problem to have. <laughs> how many, um, how many seats did you like promote that you would be trying to fill? 20. 20. Okay. And you got all 20 of them like oh, before yes. the launch closed. I had two people who from the launch, just from the launch who wanted in, who we were not able, who were, uh, like technically approved their application was approved, but just due to timing, we were not able to let in. And gotcha. since and since then, I've had at least five more people be like, come on, Claire, just let me in. And, but I won't. I love you <laughs> have all. You cons- have you considered taking like seat deposits from those people for the next launch and pre-selling? Uh, you know, I was considering it. And to be honest, I'm, I just, I'm not sure what the, what the price is going to be next. Yeah. Well, you could still take a deposit without having a final price point. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess if, if you probably, ha- you probably would have to make it refundable in that case, uh, just because, yeah. you know, you can't, you probably can't contractually obligate someone to like an unknown price point program, but, um, right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if it was set, if it was set, they could, you know, that, that would all be, that would all make sense. Okay. So, but yeah. and, and you know what I'm thinking though, like about that is I want to collect that money next year. Like I, sure. Uh, if I, I could have like an even bigger year than, than this year, if I did just reach out to those people, you know, I could make another hundred yeah. K or something like, well, no, when I say much. seat deposit though, I'm thinking like 500 bucks, oh, not, you know, that's to, I have to say like the work involved for that, <laughs> not 500, no, not for me. So do you keep all those people then? Do you have a lead list so you can reach out to them before you uh, like actually open the doors? I should, I should, because, <laughs> but they're like, they're mostly people who I know. Yeah. So one, a one person actually got on the wait list and I was like, yeah, okay. you did. Good for you. Nice. Yeah. The, the great thing about doing a lead list is that if, you know, if you have those five people, then you can reach out to them before you launch. And then it depends how many seats you need to fill. Right. If you wanted to do another 10 person cohort, then it's like a situation where you could do like the soft launch rather than having to do a yeah. hard launch. Yeah. Yo. Oh, okay. I see. I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So I was, I was a little confused. You said you had 20 people, but then something about the two people. So did that mean you ended up with 18? No, no, no. I had, I had too many applications. I had, I had sales calls booked when we already had an, 20 invites out. Got it. But I still had people I hadn't even talked to yet, but I had said, let's, let's schedule the call because at the, at that time, like somebody scheduled a call maybe on day two of getting the application filled out, but they didn't schedule it until like closer to the end of the launch. So by then I had already spoken to the, like, I just did it on a rolling basis and I won't do that again. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It'll be more like you have these number of days to apply. And then after all the applications are in, uh, you, we will send out invitations either. I don't know if I'll do calls again or just, uh, I like the kind of like the calls, but, um, uh, but yeah, it, it'll either be join or, you know, or book this call and we'll only send out 20, you know, or whatever yeah. the number is. So I have to ask, mm-hmm. since you've hit capacity, are you contemplating bringing in additional coaches so that you can do larger cohorts or is that not something you're interested in? I'm actually interested. So first of all, we, we have brought in more just for this cohort that we're going to be mm-hmm. serving because like my team that has been in the business for 2022 is Sarah Lucille doing the copy and messaging, Oyen, my assistant, and Laura Ball, who has been like my ads coach in my groups for years, right? Um, so I said to Sarah, I said, hey, um, you know, we we're going to have to bring on somebody else because like at the beginning of the co of of every cohort, her workload is insane with the critiques. Everyone is sending mm-hmm. in, you get a max of two a week and they're sending in these long sales pages and things like that, which they have every right to do. Um, but so she had what, 12 people, 24 critiques to do a week. Well, when you have 20 people and they're sending two and that's 40. So I said, to her, okay, we're going to have to bring somebody else in. And she goes, wait, actually I would like to do, I can do more hours for you. And I didn't know that. So we've increased her retainer nice. and, and also, um, Laura is moving on from my business as our ads coach, which is very sad because she is so wonderful. Um, but she's focusing on her own business. So we've hired, we've hired an additional ads coach who will actually be doing more than just what uh, Laura was doing. So it's like replacing her, but also increasing her hours. So that's what we've done to serve the new cohort mm-hmm. of 20 people. I am more interested in increasing the price. Uh, in first increasing the value of the program and then increasing the price um, before we go, let's say go deep before we go wide, if you will. Sure. <laughs> I think it'll be, I think it will be easier to scale. I, also, I got this advice from my coach. Um, I think it will be easier to scale something when I've already sold people on the price instead of like, Hey, I've sold many, many, many people on this price. And now I have to go up. Whereas if I start by just selling the new price to a smaller group, then I can still show like the value, right? The, you know, these, these people are paying X, Y, Z, and these are the results they're getting. Yeah. You said go deep instead of It's not really deep. It's like, if you actually think of it as is that revenue bar? It's like go high instead of, instead of more points on that, more transactions, just more higher value per transaction. Got it. So you're saying higher price, fewer students, as opposed to trying to get a lot more people in the program at your current price point. Yes. Okay. Beautiful. Love that. Um, my brain was going some kind of direction with a follow-up question. I'll probably circle back to that um, once I figure out what I was going to ask. But uh, quick math, mm-hmm. 20 students in at $9,000, that's $180,000 launch, right? Yeah, it ended up being a, like it with the payment plans because we had four people take up on the payment plan. Um, it'll be 186000 Nice. Yeah. And how many people did pay in full? Uh, 16. 
Okay, nice. So then you have four people that are going to give you a little bit of monthly recurring revenue. Yep. Um, but 16, let's see. And what's it, was very, it was very different because in the May launch, like I, when I was just doing my projections, I assumed, okay, last time 50% took the payment plan, 50% paid in full. So, I, you know, I'll probably get 10 and 10. So I was surprised when I got 16 pay in fulls. Yeah. So that was probably what, like 150K that you made during that launch, like actually cash in hand. Cash? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. So yeah. let's look, we can look at the dates. Um, yeah. Cause this, this is the information we need to know when you tell us what you, what you spent your money on Claire, <laughs> how much, how much new cash you had on the bank account. Yes. I see what you mean. Okay. All right. Sorry. This is taking a second. It was actually ended on November 3rd. And this is where I realized my, uh, my lawyering skills have helped me in my interview process. Cause all the questions <laughs> ultimately really lead to the lead to the final question. Right. Yes. Okay. 158,000. Nice. It's a good chunk of change. So what did you spend it on Claire? Okay. Well, no, it's not that like, uh, okay. So I already knew I was going to re-enroll in my coach's mastermind. So that was uh -huh. a $25,000, uh, investment in that was like at the very beginning of November. And you can do pay in full, presumably at that you point. At that point, you have to. She okay. has she has a couple different options, but the pre-enrollment where I could get the payment plan was passed. Yeah. So um, 25K. And I'm the person who, especially like watching that, uh, that 4K get pulled out of my account every month, I was kind of like, and just looking how it made my... P&L, which again, this is just like, this is a thought, but how yeah. it, like it made all those months unprofitable. I'd rather have November just look bad, quote unquote, because it's a, it has a big expense in it. Here's what else happened though in November is very last minute. I decided to go to life coach live with my friend and wonder, wonder business buddy, uh, Steph Crowder went to life coach live. I think I got the ticket yeah, I got the ticket with miles, which I know is not a good business move because that's a deduction, but, um, we paid for, we paid for like the regular ticket, which is $350. The day that we started, like within a couple of hours of the conference, um, we upgraded to VIP, which was 2k. Um, also the hotel stay probably cost me about 1500. Cause it was like a really fancy hotel. And plus all the food and whatnot. And then while there, I decided to join life coach certification, which is 18,000. So, and on top of that, um, I donated very heavily <laughs> to some things and bought some expensive gifts for people and myself. Nice. Including okay, so a $300 um, body pillow which I hate and I actually am returning. So <laughs> I only have eight more days to do that return. So I need to get on it. Oh yeah. I was going to get into, I was going to get into the nice personal stuff you bought yourself. Um, but first it, it sounds like just real quick math, about 50 K like on the business, $25,000 program, $18,000 program, probably about $5,000 between hotel travel, all that kind of in the $2,000 event. Right. On top of the 20 K between my monthly expenses and my personal take home that's every month yeah yeah so, yeah that i kind of look through through a different i know you do like a different 
through a different lens. Cause those are your, yeah, those are your recurring, like kind of baseline expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but in short, like if you, this is the way I like to break it down is you spend about 30% of your launch revenue on like one, what I would call like one off business investments. Right. Oh, so that's yeah. the thing I spent it or that's what it was. That's what it was. Right. Oh, so these, like yeah. these uh, programs that you invested in totaled to about 30% of your like cash in hand launch revenue, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I feel like if those are investments that you think are going to bring you big ROIs, that's like a pretty reason. Those are all very reasonable investments. Oh yeah. That's the thing. Like whenever I just at the event, I met enough people who then bought absolute FB ads, like it paid it more than paid for the event. Nice. And then the, then the actual like takeaways of the event is what's going to get me to like multi-millions, which I didn't even really believe was possible before. And so now, you know, like, so my let's husband- talk about, Let's talk about that some more. Uh, okay. Well, you have to listen to the, you have to finish listening to the podcast episode that came out. Oh, okay. Today. Okay. Okay. No, no, but it was, it's, it's also interesting. Like I came home from, I, I forget where I came home from one of my trips this year. And I said to Ernesto, I, it must've been Orlando, the like three-day live event that came with the mastermind. And um, I said, I'm going to make a million dollars. If not 2023, then 2024, no doubt. And I actually think it is happening next year, but if that me, if I spent like, just let's say two rounds in my mastermind is 50 K 50 K to make a million dollars. Like if, if, we, if we look at, if we look at like, oh, well that's 30% of your launch revenue, 50 K, like everything that I invested, but then, and, and this is what I know that I know that people use this to sell and the thing is I'm going to let them because I'm the person who invests and then makes a shit ton of money off of each investment, yeah. you know? Like I, I've been thinking about this where, you know, when people invest in things and it don't, doesn't work out, is it because of, is it really the, the like fault of, not fault, fault is the wrong word, but like how come there are people who, and this happens in my, it has happened, it doesn't happen anymore, but people who apply for my stuff and they say, I've been in a ton of masterminds and it's like not worked out. It's like, this one's not going to work out for you either then, because there's something that's something that you're thinking or doing or believing or whatnot. And maybe it's that you're looking for a mastermind to solve all your problems. Yeah. Well, some people just don't do the work, right? Yeah. Other people like, like to do the work, but they like to do it begrudgingly while complaining the whole time about, well, it's not going to, why it's not going to work for them. Like there's so many, and there are like, there are just probably terrible, like terrible programs out there, but it's a whole combination. And there are also awesome business owners that have growing pains. Yeah. You know, so like. That, that, that is also something that I've seen is like a program will be really, really awesome at a certain size. And then when it's in a new size, but then that's not even, then I think that's also uh, people complaining. Like this used to be intimate or whatever. Uh-huh. This is why I fucking love the mastermind I'm in, by the way. Oh no. I think just by the time this episode comes out, the, the doors will be closed again, but like I spoke to Stacey Bayman for the first time on my coaching call yesterday. 
yesterday, December 7th. And I made all this money from her, like literally, really, I credit to, to the work of like what's in her member portal and her coaches and the people, the other people in the program. Nice. So like when we come, there were 170 people in this program. So if, if I, if we want to say like, oh, it's too small or, or sorry, it's too big or not big enough. Like it doesn't have the, I always get the, like, I want to make sure like I'm in it with the right people, you know, like I want to be surrounded, which I get, I want to be surrounded by, you know, but yeah. Well, I think that also depends on how your program is structured, because if your program is structured where the benefit is the peer-to-peer advice, then I care a lot more about the other peers that are in the program. If they're the ones I'm learning from, if I'm getting my coaching from Claire and Claire's team, I don't care as much. Right. Right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why, so, I mean, I tell me if this makes sense. Cause this is just the way my brain works. I'm, I'm not sure. The reason why I like to look at that 30% of launch revenue, um, and on the flip side, you're talking about ROI. So you're more than going to get your ROI, right? Yes. You're going to like make all the money on it, but it goes back to that. What the fuck happened to my money hamster wheel thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you allow you, yourself to spend a hundred percent of launch revenue on the thing, you mm. could, a lot of people will justify it as saying, well, I'm going to get all of the ROI, but then they get all the ROI and they triple their launch next time, but then they spend tri- yeah. <laughs> triple. Okay. On the expenses. I see what you mean. I see so what you mean. the ROI is important, but for me, I like to limit my expenses after a launch to a certain percentage just to really keep my, like myself in check versus what my inclination would be. So oh, no. just you're some t- context for people. You're totally, you're totally right. And Um, so I did have like, you know, November ended up being a great month as well because of the absolute FBI launch, which was just emails and podcast episodes. That's it. Uh I even sent an email, like you will not see me posting about this on social because I'm I'm just (laughs) being a product of my own product. Um, but, uh, so what was I even talking about? Oh, oh, but so like past November, 2022, it's going to be until my next launch before my business makes money again. And Uh I just upped the expenses in my business, in the team, like a fair amount. So I will. And then also, you know, like if I decide to re-enroll with my coach, that's another 25 K, you know, happening in, I forget April or something. So like I have to be really cognizant now of what we spend on the business in order to make it to our next launch. Um, and, and this is maybe a scheduling issue of mine where like to start the year with so many months of no revenue, but knowing, knowing like, oh shit, those launches are going to be so big. It won't even matter. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I think I've said this a number of times on the podcast, but I, in addition to the regular slush fund, right? Just slush fund, which I actually pulled out this year. I pulled out my entire slush fund to buy my house. I didn't share this with, I think on the podcast as just part of the down payment. I just pulled it all out because what I also have is the EIDL loan. It's $150,000 that I now have started to pay back, but the interest is so low that it is like an additional cushion. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was like a COVID loan, not forgivable, have to pay it all back, did not need it, but I'm for sure glad that I have it. And that's another reason why I just don't look at the 
it it makes my slush fund feel even bigger because in the case of an emergency, if we had a, a launch that just failed, it's there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you have it there instead of, you know, having to like get a business credit card or something. Which right, is, exactly. I mean, $150,000, it's not, it's not my money, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think of it as that. And it's in like a, its own little bank account and stuff, but it's, it does help me take those risks. Yeah, and uh, when I take risks, they fucking pay off. Yeah. But I mean, it's basically, an, I would think of it as like an option to tap into really low interest credit as opposed to high interest credit if you need to. Great. Is that is that a thing that everyone can get? Like sometimes I think I talk about this and I, I feel bad because other people miss <laughs> uh, the opportunity to get that. Yes and no. But like I've talked about on my podcast, um, I took out a $10,000 Stripe loan this year, like mm-hmm. um, to pay for some business expenses. And the great thing about a Stripe loan is they they automatically take the money out of your payments to pay back your loan. So it's like three to 5% of all of the money that comes into my business automatically goes to Stripe until the loan's paid off. Oh. But the interest being ends up being way, way lower than if I were to get, you know, like two more business credit cards or like a bank loan or anything like oh. that. Oh, so. okay. So really interesting. Please people do that instead of PayPal loans. I know somebody who took out a PayPal loan and the interest was 10%. Oof. Yeah, Stripes is a flat fee. So I think I took about a $10,000 loan for, I think uh, I ended up paying like a, a seven or $800 fee for the money. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so pretty, pretty low. But what I like to tell people is obviously I'm not a proponent of debt, mostly because I do not have a good history of using debt responsibly. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people should know that that's the context in, in which I give a lot of advice as I'm speaking specifically to irresponsible people like myself. Mm-hmm. But what I tell people is to think about, so Facebook ads are a great example, Claire, right? So if I tell myself, well, should I put $1,000 in Facebook ads on my business credit card? Dave Ramsey would tell me that's the stupidest idea ever. But if that $1,000 is going to get me $10,000 in sales and I can pay the credit card off again in three months, if I have the data to tell me those conversions are very predictable, like that's a good financial decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Sure. Okay. Um, I want to get back to this uh, seven figures in, in 2023 kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, did you talk a lot about that on your podcast that went live this morning? No, so that, no, 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 not at all. Okay. So we're referencing the December 8th uh, episode, uh, everybody, just so, just so you know. So let's, um, let's chat about that because to get there, you need to effectively double your revenue from this year. So I'm curious if you want to talk a little bit more about like the seven figure mindset of it all. But then also I'm curious um, if you're doing annual planning or thinking about it, like what specifically you're going to do to get to that revenue level, if that's the goal. Yeah. So, um, okay. Earlier in the year, I did some, I just did an exercise on like, kind of, yeah, like revenue projecting. Um, Because I now have this belief in my ability to sell 20 spots in my mastermind being just like so easy. And even with the way launches go up and down, like when you cap something, it is just like, it, it, my experience, it is so much easier for me, right? And then also because of like word of mouth, from my clients, it's just like, okay, I can do projections around 20 people each time, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did is I did projections around the price of the mastermind next year being 15K. 
Mm-hmm. And I actually don't know if it will be that, if it will be less or if it will be more. I don't know. Um, and so I did the math around 15K getting 20 people in. So so two rounds, right? Oh, yep. That's, uh, let me get out my calculator. At some 300,000 for 20 people. So 20, 20 people times 15K is 300,000. So then 600,000. If you launch twice, if I launch twice and one thing that will be changing, uh, not with the January cohort, but after is we will be going down to five months instead of six. Cause we just keep seeing that like the engagement really drops off Uh right after month five. And, um, it also allows us to schedule the cohorts in a way that works better for my schedule and my team schedule. Um, instead of like, cause when you do six months, you will always have an overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, all right. So then that's 40 people total, two cohorts of 20 at 15 K is 600,000. And then, um, I did a very conservative estimate of absolute FB ads sales being uh, 120,000 total. Nice. So the course is 2,500. Uh, so that was, so I did 120. Now, when I was actually at um, Life Coach Live, Brooke Castillo's event, I just uh, suddenly had this thought, and I forget who was even talking or what they were talking about, but I realized, oh, fuck, absolute FB ads is going to be a million, is going to have a million dollar year. The course alone, not not next year, but like it is, it is the it will be the only course people consider eventually. Like, you know, it will be that good. The marketing, the delivering of the delivery of it, it will all be that good that, I mean, 2,500, let's, let's do the math on a million dollar funnel, right? If it's- Oh, I got you. 1 million. 1 million. How many sales do I need? At divided by 2,500 mm-hmm. is 400 sales. 400 sales a year, 400 entrepreneurs who need ad help. So that's 33 and a third a month. So 34 sales a month. Okay. But even, right. But like, even that number actually feels harder to me than 400 total. But like, <laughs> Okay. Let's go, go back to 400. <laughs> 400 entrepreneurs. There were 3000 attending Life Coach Live. And I was on stage at one point and Brooke mm-hmm. called me famous to people like, Brooke has sent me more than 400 customers over the years, you know, yeah. um, or at least, you know, definitely 400 potential customers. I, we have a thousand people in absolute FB ads now, and it's possible that, you know, like three or 400 of them came from her recommendation. So if I just, this is kind of piggybacking on last week's on, well, t- technically today's episode of like me no longer marketing to the wrong people or like believing that no one's going to get results from my course, like literally a small shift in belief is going to get me 400 people in a year. Like, no, like it's just done. Now that's not going to be my priority next year, but it could Uh happen on its own. It could happen on its own just by like my, you know, talking up, literally talking about it more. We had somebody post in the group not long ago being like, is this course still for sale? 
This is before <laughs> the, before the, like, you know, launch or the price increase launch. Um, because they wanted to recommend it to somebody. So like existing students don't even know it's for sale. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, anyway, so my, my projections for next year are based on a really, really conservative um, sales projections for absolute FBAD. So even just with a not so conservative, like what what I need to do 400K, what's 400K from absolute FBADs at 25,000 each? Excuse me. So you mentioned originally you said 120, so that would put you at 720 for the year. But if you're going to do 400K, that would be... It's only 160, 160 sales. Yeah, 160 sales. Now we yeah, calculate that, that by that that's that's 14 a month. That's a million dollars right there. So you just said you need to start talking about it more. Um, but does that or maybe I inferred that because I was my question was gonna be what's your goal gonna be to get there? Like really fine-tuning the funnel or just making it easier to find on your website and like making sure everyone knows that you have it available for for purchase. Well, guess what? I haven't even thought beyond <laughs> maybe doing a webinar in January or February about it. Sure. Like I just, this, this is also very new to me, believing that something is possible without knowing the how. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very new. I swear to God, some people are listening to this podcast now and they're going to be like, who is this woman? She is so <laughs> different from the previous Claire and I don't like it. And that is fine. But most of you are loving it. Some of you, yeah. some of you have already told me that you really like the change. So thank you very much. I love you. I love it. Um, I mean, it makes sense for me. I do you want to hear a fun, a fun little analogy, Claire. Yes. But don't forget, we have to talk about the expenses of this year too. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Let's okay, do that. So what's let's, your analogy? Oh, okay. So I, have you ever seen, this sounds like a nightmare to me, but people buy jigsaw puzzles with, that are like clear pieces. They're like oh transparent gosh. pieces. Why? <laughs> I know. Right. So when we do goal setting exercises, I tell people to think about like their 10 year vision. Like a lot of those pieces are probably clear, but what I'm doing in the next year might have like full saturation color pieces. So it's like half your puzzle's transparent and half your puzzle has like all the all the color to it and the pictures and the background and everything. And I like to think that the more we think about our goals and the more we plan and the more we, we just have it in mind, those pieces start to like gain more color. So you can create a goal and just by having the goal in and of itself is often the first point to like figuring out that plan. And you just have mm-hmm. to like, let the plan come to you as you totally. think about it more and you go through your year. I feel like you were trying to coach me on this earlier in the year when we, t- when we were talking my, about my annual goal my like revenue yeah, maybe 2022 it feels sounds very familiar. familiar and I was just like yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever um it, because I even on a one-year basis it's like you have an annual goal but then like your concrete planning can just be q1 and you can figure out the rest of it you know like or January January yeah <laughs> yeah or just January right we have January figured out so well, yeah, let's talk I also about ex- I mean I will say like I uh, I mentioned this on the podcast before we had a miscarriage right before my fucking launch actually. Yeah. Um so I want to also get pregnant and that all might require IVF. So this is another reason why I'm actively not like deciding like this is how it's going to happen or it has to be 720 next year because you know shit happens. So I'm yeah. doing month at a time right now. Going through, so just a real quick question on that. Um, like going through IVF, do you, do you just need to make sure that you have like 
mental like an emotional space in your calendar to make sure that you're are like channeling your energy or does that look like you know having like actual physical time for you uh well there's the time of going and getting all the blood draws mm -hmm. um and then there's the side effects the physical side effects of the medications mind you i have not done ivf i have I did a pseudo uh, round of IVF where I was accidentally not injecting myself in the drug with the drug, but guess what? It was a clinical trial. So I didn't lose any money or anything. Um, but I, I was acting as if I was doing it. So I was going in for the appointments, but just never getting any actual hormones that I've never talked about on the show before human error. Um, so it, you know, um, time consuming, very emotionally draining. Uh, maybe with thought work, it wouldn't be so bad, but yeah, I think I would just need to clear my entire calendar because I wouldn't, I would not be able to undergo that. I think, uh, knowing like, oh, I have to show up for X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, yeah, that, that, that makes sense for that's me, me personally, me personally. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's different for everyone. And obviously um, I have and will not have any personal experience <laughs> to, to chime in with. Um, okay. So year to date revenue, what did it was for, for what? 437, I think. 437. Yeah, okay. Bench, so like bench did something. I might not even be able to get my expenses. So we'll round up. You're probably going to end up like around 450 for the yeah. year. Because the payment plans. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Beautiful. So we'll just say 450. Great. 450 ish for the year. Um, what are what are we looking at for expenses? Okay, so expenses to date, which means yeah, November is up to date in here. So we're really just talking about December, which will probably be, you know, just like let's say 10K in in expenses the way bench would call it expenses expenses, not the way I do, because I think of my take home as an expense. Uh, is um, 245 now. So it'll be 255. And the 255 does include your your salary? No. You have uh, 450 revenue, 255 in year-to-date non-salary expenses. Yes. Do you share on your podcast what your salary is? I pay myself um, between seven and ten thousand dollars a month. Okay, so somewhere between seventy and one hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah, and this year it was then. Then we all, I also took out sixty k from my business savings for my house, so sixty additional. And probably let's say 10 or 20 additional on top of my usual. I'm trying okay. to find like, how come they don't have my, the, yeah, they don't, it, it's an annoying to me that they don't categorize member distributions in the category. So I could just see it really quickly, you know? Yeah. That should be like an owner's equity draw. If okay. you can search maybe it I'm, Maybe I'm searching it wrong. Yeah. Because your salary, technically, if your salary is going through payroll, that should show up. Well, as part of it. Okay, so sorry. That is included in the 255 is my salary through payroll. 
but then there's, but my member, it does not include the owner draws. Um, okay. Gotcha. So 255 is your business expenses plus your own personal salary through payroll. And then the, like the 70 to 120 K that we talked about are your owner distributions. Yeah. Yep. So everything that would be left after that would be, um, profit you're keeping in the bank, which us accounting folks call retained earnings, but you did take some of that out when you bought your house. Yeah. Okay. So I actually see shareholder distribution is 213,000 this year. Oh, okay. 213. Is my dry cleaner, like I just noticed that bench uh, is dry cleaning is a member distribution, right? Yes. That's okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. Just checking. Yeah. So anything, so technically, technically Claire, you probably know this, but we should not be paying for that from the business bank account, but anytime. No, it's only cause I couldn't find my, I, I don't know why I didn't have my regular credit card on. Yeah. That that happens. We all have a handful of those every year. So we just classify that basically the same as if you'd like paid yourself. Yes. Yes. And that's yeah. what bench did. Thank you very much bench. Yeah. I actually, um, I make my, all my personal credit card payments for my business bank account and classify those all as owner distributions just cause it's easier that way. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's, I want to, do you know, Let's, let's see, Claire, do you know what your expenses were not including your salary, your payroll? Well, I can find that pretty, I think. Okay. So yes, my payroll for, for myself was uh 20, uh, sorry, 30, almost 38,000. Okay. Gotcha. Why you're like removing that from, you're trying to get my profit. Yeah, essentially. Okay. So about like about 200 and what? No, 220 would be your expenses. So profit would be like around 230. Cool. So that's actually better than, yeah, that's definitely my best profit year. Yeah, that's over, I mean, over 50%. Let's see. Yeah, and this even includes the, Oh, contains incomplete books, but nah, that includes like the big, the big investments that I made in November. I was just double checking that, that they had already mm -hmm. caught those. So wait, sorry. What's the profit again? Um, around, so very rough math, but around 230,000 on 450. So a little over 50% profit. Great. Yeah. I think in the past I've always been between, uh, 30 and 40. But nice. you know me, I also do my math very differently. So if we, <laughs> um, and that I've come to learn that the way I do it is quote unquote wrong, but I like to see how much is left in the business after I take out of it, you know, like this is a lifestyle business. This is about, you know, me. So what do we yeah. say for, well, it's good. And it's good to look at the numbers, both like, it's good. To, you want to look at the numbers really both like both of these ways that we're talking about, um, Ultimately, what most of us care about is how much we're able to pay ourselves, right? And the higher our profit is before our salary, the more salary we can we can pay ourselves. Right. Distributions. Yeah. So I just did the math. And if we just look at like how much I took out of the business this year for me, uh, also, sorry, th that includes taxes um, versus like the, no, how much I took out for me, not including taxes and how much the, the business cost, including taxes, I actually took out 13,000 more than what was left over, but that's fine because of the slush fund. Yeah. You know, 
So, and that's with big investments in my coaching. That's with my, you know, team and all that. So I am very pleased with that. I thought that like, I was going to be negative a lot more because of the, um, the house purchase. Nope. That's good. Great. Great. Um, how do you feel about those numbers headed into 2023? Amazing. Like I went into this mastermind that you know, that I joined, um, we went to the the live event in, and it kicks off with a live event, right? So it was in Orlando and I told two people, hi, Kimmy, um, (laughs) Kimmy and, and someone else that, and Caroline, that I felt embarrassed about my revenue, given the number of years I've been in business, you know, and the revenue that I did this year, like with just such simplicity, like such a simple business feels mm-hmm. much more aligned with what people think, uh, you know, I should be doing just because of like how many times they've heard my name mentioned, or they know I work with, you know, really uh, big clients or, or that I used to. Um, three thirty. Just not that there's anything to, but it's just like you know, Brayden. When people like pass you so quickly, who have been in business so much like less time than you, it makes you. It made me doubt myself, and this really feels great. And just like that, you know, that million is inevitable. Nice. I like that. I'm trying to trying to get there myself. We're all we're all we're all working towards that. Um, how long have you been in business? Uh, eight and a half years. And you really think, I mean, I, I would never assume that like an eight year business should be like making more money than that, but it's really all relative to like what your goals are and what you're shooting for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, my, my husband's been in business about the same amount of time. That's not quite true. I guess it's more counting his like freelance time. So he learned a lot of lessons before he started this current business. And he's like nine or times more than my revenue now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's a very, very different business model, but I can name a gazillion people I know who, you know, make uh, multiple, multiple millions. <coughs> I have no idea what they're paying themselves. Like I yeah. really, what I really feel good about is looking at that, like what I paid myself and went, oh God, that is, that is why things have been pretty great this year. You yeah. Know? I can tell you, Claire, one of the fascinating things about helping people with their numbers is I seen it all and I get to see it all. And I see people who on the outside have wildly successful businesses and, uh, under the hood, so to speak, they're barely paying themselves money and they have debt and, uh, yeah, if you're, if you personally are having a financial benefit from your business, that's like, uh, that's what we want. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, it's not just, it's not just that. I think it's also like the fact that I had two very successful launches Mm -hmm. finally. And in a year when most people were not seeing that, you know, like I, I had never had a six figure launch until this year. And then I had like two, one that almost doubled the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, it just feels like 
you know, I've had the same audience size now kind of forever, at least on my list, right? Podcast listeners, because of the podcast ads, they are growing, you know, but being able to finally speak to them in a way that gets people to go, oh, yeah, oh, pl please take my money. Please can I have a spot in that? Claire, let me in. Like, it's it's different. It is different than the, well, maybe I hope people will like me. And that's what today's episode was all about, you know, like me and my people pleasing and wanting people to like me. And yeah. now I'm saying, fuck that. So like, maybe what it is, is I really like me now. And then, and the money is reflecting that. So that all feels very good. Nice. I don't feel fear about having to repeat it next year. Like it could all come crashing down. Sure. But I also feel like I now have different tools than if yeah. it were 2018 or something. Well, because a lot of it is, I feel like it's also once you get it figured out and it can mean a lot of things, but once you get it figured out, it's like a bad launch just means that you can tweak and pivot and sell something else. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that made any sense, but no, no, I'm it absolutely of, does. It's like, once you learn how to sell, it's like, well, if one thing doesn't go great, then you can, you can figure out, okay, well, what did people not like about it? Let's, let's fix that and sell the thing that the people need. Yes. Yes, totally. Yeah. I come, I completely agree. I hadn't thought about that, but it's a really good point. Like, yeah. And that builds no confidence for sure. Yeah. No longer having that cloud over my head. That's like, you don't know how to sell. You're not good at selling. It's like now that, yeah, it's just exactly what you said. Once that's gone, then you can, I could sell. Hey, you know what, Braden? If this, if I had to shut this business down, I would become a life coach. I there totally would become a life coach and I would make so much money doing it. So <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, um, did your parents ever like to tell you about that? Talk to you about the money tree or is that just mostly a Midwestern thing? Well, money doesn't grow on trees. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I think I heard that. Yeah. I heard that all the time. This is one of those, uh, I think, oh, it's Denise. Denise DT has you on all of her books. She has you think a lot about the money philosophies that you had growing up that your yeah. parents had. And that was my mom's favorite one. She still says that when I, oh, I need a new pair of shoes for basketball, mom. Oh, well just go pick the money off the money tree for your $150 shoes. Right. Um, <laughs> we always had everything that we needed growing up. It was more like, you don't need the new Jordans to like play on your fourth grade basketball team kind of a thing. But now as an adult, like my mantra for myself, I always tell myself my business is my money tree and I'll have the money when I nurture it and grow it and prune it and mm. do all the things that I need to do. And that's been a very positive mantra, which I think plays into what we were talking about when you're thinking about, well, how am I going to make a million dollars next year? Well, it's in my money tree. I'll figure it out. We're going to grow it and we're going to get there. It'll blossom. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's fun. Um, I think we've covered, yeah, we, we went through your full, um, went through your full 2022 in review. We talked a little bit about 20, we talked a lot about 2023 goals really. So those are, those are most of the things that I wanted to ask about and everything I think, uh, I would want to hear in this podcast. So. Oh, wait, but there's one, it. there's one more thing yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that I could have, I could just share this with you on Voxer, but I figured I'm going to tell the people at some point I'm going to do a live event. Okay. And it might, it might be in 2023 or 2024. One of those years, there's going to be a live event for sure, where I am, where people actually 
come from far and wide for me. Like this is a brand new thought. This is very painful for me to like encounter my thoughts around this, but it's going to mm-hmm. happen. And I'm very, are you very thinking excited. like intimate live event? I have like no idea. Don't ask me the or, details. Oh, okay. Everyone okay. is asking me the details and I don't know, but let, let's just like, let's take five minutes. Cause then I really have to get ready for the dentist. And maybe people are just tired of, of hearing this and that's totally fine. <laughs> you guys go do you. Um, but what, I mean, so like I've thought about intimate and I've thought about large scale and I, I wouldn't go like a thousand people large scale, but is a hundred intimate? I mean, it's all a sliding scale, right? So it's sure. not like, I mean, yeah, I not like sit in a circle and like do icebreakers intimate, but right. Exactly. So that's, you know, that's the thing. Like, um, this live event in, in Orlando, we, there were probably a hundred, 120 of us in, you know, a great ballroom. And it was, it was really great. Mm-hmm. And then there were breakout rooms. That was terrific. So we did, you know, we had smaller group discussion. Yeah. But I I don't know. I I really don't know. I kind of break it down into like, are we talking like conference room at a nice hotel where we're doing like lines and rows of chairs? Or are we thinking like beautiful Airbnb in Palm Springs that can accommodate 10 to 20 people? Well, but the latter is- you're making the numbers 20 or 2000. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. Cause like the conference room could be, could be, you know, it could be, a, it could still be a smaller room. Oh, okay. Well, so instead of chairs in a row, I feel like the options, cause that's not going to happen one day. It will <laughs> one day for sure. Brayden, I will be on that stage, but, um, ch- conference room, ch- uh, s- tables, yeah. Chairs at tables. That's like a, a 100, 200. Yeah. I like that. I like but that. I don't know if it will. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I am going through coach certification now. And one of the things is about holding space and at a 20 person thing, I feel like you have to hold, you have to like hold space almost longer or more deeply for people because it's, you know, a smaller amount of just, I don't know. I have a, is this a crazy mindset? The idea that it's almost like you have to give more of you when you have fewer people. Uh, yeah, I would not agree with that. Okay. Uh, because again, it's, you're paying for the, you're paying for the experience. Well, some people are paying for the experience, right? So I've attended a mastermind retreat in Palm Springs before, and really all of the education we got out of it was phenomenal. But like the best part about it to me was like spending a very, very intimate like weekend with like eight other really, really cool entrepreneurs that I've Mm -hmm. now forged like lifelong business connections with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which didn't require, you know, like more of the host pouring their energy. That's that's the kind of event I would love to run in the future. But um, meet for a weekend in Palm Springs to form your LLCs just doesn't sound like a live event that people necessarily want to do. But <laughs> you, would, this yeah. is why I think we'll have a lot of fun brainstorming these uh, these particular ideas. Please get into Braden's DMs, everyone, and tell them that you <laughs> want the Palm Springs. I've actually I've done that like as a live workshop before, but it's more of like. 
conference room at WeWork kind of event, not, yeah. you know, like a destination yeah. kind of thing. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So yeah, I, um, I definitely, I like that idea of like the small, but I also, I don't know. Well, we'll have to talk. I don't want to just have people listening to me go, I don't know. Uh, but I'm glad <laughs> that I shared that. I did want to share it because I think the more I actually say it out loud, the more likely it will to happen. Um, yeah, you put think- the idea into the universe and then maybe some people will, if you're open to it, maybe some people will give you insights on what they think they would love to buy from you. Yes. Hey, that is, that would be great. Like, you know, I did have a, a thing, a, an idea for like, cli- that was like an idea for clients about like getting their funnel, their like ad funnel built in, in like a, a weekend or something, but that's also like not fun. You know, yeah. I would want to do something less, less tactical, more. Yeah. But I know. always wonder, I'm like, could, could the, cause this is what I thought about. Um, and again, you can, we can cut off this brainstorming whenever, but it's like taking the first month of my program and turning that into a weekend live event. Yeah. So it's like, could you expedite get paid marketing by kicking it off with a live event or maybe totally. wrap it up with the live event? Right. And I have, and definitely that idea has been in my mind ever since I went to this live event in Orlando. Um, and, and I like the idea of something for clients. I like the idea of something like not for clients, but let me also say, this is the problem with going and saying like, Hey people, what would you like to buy from me? What if everyone wants everyone (laughs) who's vocal wants a like intimate retreat with me? Because so many people say when they meet me, like, Oh my God, I feel like I know you because they listen to the podcast. Right. Uh, And I love that. I love hearing that, that, that just like, it fills me up so much to hear that people like have that connection. And what just, just because more people say that they want a certain thing does not mean you should do it. So I guess I kind of, I'm not necessarily in the, of the belief of like, you know, do what people sell, what people want, because if you aren't going to enjoy delivering it, then it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, obviously it's good to hear what people want, but every once in a while, there's someone in our audience that uh, has the idea that is perfect for us. And we just- That's true. That is a really great way to think about it instead of everyone wants what I don't want to sell when I Uh don't even know what I want to sell. Like, why do I have that thought? Oh my gosh. Okay. Somebody in my audience is the perfect idea. So please, dear listeners, come and tell me, come and tell Brayden, uh, that was great. Thank you just to everyone who is still listening. This is amazing. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. Like always. Yeah. Awesome. Brayden, thank you so much. We have to get on your show to talk about you and your year. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will be wrapping up my books and in the new year, we will, uh, we will flip the script on this. It'll be fun. Okay. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening. We look forward to seeing you in our DMS. We'll put a uh, Instagram handles in the show notes, which nobody looks at anyway, (laughs) maybe it's a Brayden B-R-A-D-E-N Adam, like the biblical figure, Drake, like the rapper. That's my Instagram handle. (laughs) (laughs) Like the biblical figure, like the rapper, Adam, uh, Uh Brayden, Adam Drake. Amazing. Yep. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. 
Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.